This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Okay, all right. One and four coming off a loss to the Pelicans, wherein Pascal Siakam was a minus 16 in 24 minutes, fouled out the Raptors. Well, the Pelicans took 28 free throws in the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. And 28 is a lot. And that's not where I want all the focus to be. I'm just saying this game was really odd. And the Raptors are still overly dependent on the three-point shot. A 14 for 48 mark, 29%. I mean, they just have very little rim pressure still. Even though this game was an improvement in that area and they shot 96% from the line, 26 of 27 during the game, that's great, honestly. But the Pelicans, way more aggressive going to the cup. Some players on the roster, better suited, have more talent and more physical abilities at getting to the free throw line. The Raptors, you know, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet are great building blocks. They're both fantastic players. Lowry especially, right? And I should say Van Vliet was excellent, 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 excellent in this game tonight. But they're not your typical foul-drawing behemoths. Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, those guys can get downhill, force the defense to foul them, and the Raptors have been foul-heavy so far this season. And they're going to get to the line. Pascal Siakam... That is not in his game at all right now. He was, uh, Nick Nurse's comments, he said he was a half count slow on both ends of the floor. And I think that's accurate. Pascal struggled immensely in this one. OG Ananobi, after missing a few shots early on, I think really came around. He hit his shots late, got to the free throw line, was dangerous off the dribble as much as he can be with his, you know, he's not a, he doesn't have a superb dribbling package or anything like that, but He was dangerous on dribble handoffs. He had an aggressive dribble all night. It made him more dangerous as a screener. It made him more dangerous just sitting and being ready to attack closeouts and on a few occasions in ISO. So that was nice to see. But man, Chris Boucher, Fred Van Vliet, OG, outside of that, not a lot to like in this game. I mean, Kyle looks tired already. Five games into the season, you can see it. He's just having to carry so much weight every game. And he's 35. He's 35 years old. It's That's a big ask. And the Raptors are doing it every night, asking him to carry. 
for he played 39 minutes. That's a lot, man. The team as currently constructed and how they're performing, he won't last a full season. It's tough to see that happening. Defensively, initially, the Raptors off the start, much better defense locating and locking down JJ Redick. Didn't lose him nearly as often as they did in the first game of the season. But Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Ingram, those guys seem to be locked into the pacing of the Raptors rotations. They're very comfortable taking their three-point shots against this team. And four for eight for Ingram, three for eight for Ball, and four for six for Bledsoe, including that huge three towards the end of the game. Should also highlight OG was really, really impressive on Zion tonight. It didn't require nearly as much doubling as they did in the first game. And the Raptors just, it, it was really nice to see that he was able to handle that a lot. He was really good at corralling him to the help side defense. And that was that was nice to see, honestly. Chris Boucher, he was he was awesome. He got to play a lot more four in this one. He got to play beside Baines. And not that Baines has been incredibly good to start the year or anything. It's just Boucher, I think, is typically uh, better used at the at the four. And that's not to say that he can't play the five, because he can, depending on what type of team you're matched up against. But against a big team that has like Steven Adams and might try to get away with Zion at the four or Nico Melli or even Brandon Ingram and maybe Josh Hart even on the odd occasion, right? Chris Boucher, can, he can wreak havoc as a, a rim runner and a help side defender, and I thought that's what happened in this game. He was he was very good, and that's, I think, most of the games in this season, he's been good. He's been probably, per what he was asked to do, the best big man on the roster, according to his role. So if you're scaling up for what is asked of a person, he's doing the best currently, and that's nice to see at the very least. And I think it is, you know, worthwhile to point out that there will be a lot of people who say surge is what the Raptors are missing most. I think that Boucher is replicating a lot of the production that surge was bringing. the The totals might not be there exactly, and the coaching staff doesn't feel like Boucher is entitled to, you know, over fifteen minutes every game, no matter what. But when he's coming in and getting minutes, he's producing similarly to what Ibaka did. Is he more dependent on a pass going to the rim? Yes, a little bit. He can't short roll into open space for a mid-range, but that's the biggest difference, I think. So I don't think it's night and day. Ibaka is obviously the superior player, even if Boucher's numbers are really popping right now. And yes, I mean, if you want to have a good team, having Ibaka on the roster obviously would help. But the Raptors, you know, they were pursuing a potential Giannis deal. They didn't want that cap hold. And, you know, that makes sense that they didn't want to give the second year. You have to take risks sometimes. The Raptors coming off of a championship wanted to take a risk and see if they could get Giannis. Serge Ibaka walks out the door. They don't go into the luxury tax for him. That's, you know, that's, I guess, how things turned out. But I think Boucher deserves a lot of love for his performance early in the season, more than he's been getting, to be quite honest. But, man, this game... It had its enjoyable parts of it, particularly in the second quarter. And that's the thing about this team, right? Is that you're looking at a team that is so historically dependent on the three-point shot. And there is no other consistent viable offense that they produce. None at all. They take their threes. If they're getting out in transition, maybe then 
maybe then they'll get to the bucket, although still sparingly for that play type. Maybe they get some free throws. But it's just, I mean, it's crazy to me that OG Ananobi and Norman Powell are drawing more free throws than Pascal Siakam. That's, as far as roster construction, what you expect of players, that is not what you like to see. Teams with high-usage superstars, a la James Harden, LeBron James, those types of guys, Damian Lillard, are the best bets for the playoffs every year, and Kyle Lowry to some degree over his career as well, because they eat up a huge chunk of usage that you know is going to be consistently above average to great. The Raptors are looking in far too many places far too often to get any type of consistent feedback from a number of areas. And it's because they're trying and scrambling desperately to fill out those aspects of the offense from a bunch of different holes on the roster. And it's not particularly surprising that they're getting super inconsistent results. I mean, are you expecting to get super... Like, if Pascal Siakam suddenly cannot drive to the rim right away a huge piece of your offense is gone this was a guy who isoed as often as lebron last year and did it as efficiently that's what pascal was and he wasn't pulling up from mid a lot he wasn't shooting a bunch of pull-up threes i mean he was but not as often in iso he was driving a ton he was getting to the rim a lot Soon as that is taken out of the equation, and it has been taken out of the equation almost completely, fundamentally your offense looks completely different. So you start looking at Norman Powell, a guy who turned the corner last year and probably had a, a tiny bit of an outlier season in what he provided as far as points per shot attempt, that type of thing. And you're saying, you got to be that again. Except he doesn't get to attack the weak side the same way because Pascal Siakam isn't drawing as much attention because teams are just like, uh, we're going to play him straight up. We don't have to bring doubles the same way because he's not getting to the rim. So Norm, as you know, cause and effect, he's not going to be as potent. If you don't have as potent weak side attackers, teams are going to load up on your front end attackers. And the Raptors, as it currently stands, are just having a hell of a time trying to create anything. It's been, wow, the team looks really tough. When they're running, when the game is fast, and they're hitting threes, then sure, they look good. But it never sticks around for very long because they're just stringing three-pointers together. And then when they don't go in, they're just stringing misses together. They're so topsy-turvy. It's, quite frankly, they're just not a fun team to watch at all right now. But takeaways from the first quarter... Stanley Johnson came in, so Nick Nurse is still on that. Whatever he wants happening with the bench currently, Matt Thomas, Malachi Flynn are not incorporated into his ideas. Why? I have no idea. I, For basketball reasons, it's nothing I can think of. As far as analysis, over the few years I've been doing this podcast, I've been pretty bang on with players. And as far as what goes on on the court, I don't think I'm a slouch. Of course, Nick Nurse is vastly superior to me in every single facet. So, you know, of course, everything is with a grain of salt when you're questioning a coaching staff that has way more information, way more intellect on this stuff and knows the players personally. But I do feel like it's strange that Malachi and Matt Thomas have been left out of the rotation when Stanley Johnson 
who even when he's playing good defense is a negative definitively you can watch the game and you know he's not bringing a ton to the floor especially offensively he can make the right play but the complete lack of punch in his offensive game makes makes it really really hard to succeed when he's on the floor and he's not as good at defense as his reputation might indicate he is getting minutes I liked early on that Aaron Baines was yanked early he fumbled a couple passes from Pascal he looked like he had bricks for hands and bricks for shots as well. And he got pulled early. Alex Len came in. Alex Len is not good in the pick and roll, as I said last podcast, but he is a much more intimidating presence at the rim defensively than Baines is as it currently stands. Is that subject to change throughout the rest of the season? Of course. It's uh, Baines. There's a reason he was slotted in as the starter. If he's the guy from Phoenix and he can figure out how to play and coexist within the Raptors framework, then he's your guy. You run with him at the five. If he's having trouble fitting in, Alex Len is a very easy plug-and-play player. So take that. That's fine. I don't like the rotations from Nurse so far. I don't think they make a lot of sense. Terrence Davis, I don't think he's played well at all this season. He's hit a few shots in a couple games, but his defense... He gets picked on a lot. He gambles all the time. He fouls. It's no surprise that Bledsoe started picking on him as soon as he was in the game, roasting him in the pick and roll. And then as soon as he had to switch out of that, he was guarding Redick and he fouled him on a three-point shot. He gets tugged out of the game, of course. And offensively, I mean, he's not bringing very calm ball handling or excellent shot making to the floor. So what is he out there for? Not a lot. So Nurse yanks him. It makes sense to me. But I'm not sure what the idea is or the genesis of the idea is to get him out on the floor in the first place. I don't know what goes on in practice. But regardless, that's that's what it is. Fred in that second quarter, immaculate. Kyle was also really good too. But Fred really driving the offense. He's always, always at his best when he's pushing in transition or pseudo transition. And what I mean by that is Fred, just by effort and wanting to get the ball up the court, can turn a set defense kind of into a scrambling defense just by advancing the ball fast enough. Whether it's him or throwing the ball up the court, it's really nice to see. He was fantastic in that second quarter. Got the Raptors out to a lead. I think they're up 60 to 55 at the end while going into the first half, largely on the back of pushing in transition, getting to the bucket a couple times, hitting some relocation threes. He was awesome. It was genuinely so fun to watch him work. But this was the Raptors riding a high. This is what happens with this team. This is why they had that 14-2 run at the end of the fourth quarter to get back in the game. Is They just strung together some threes because they just shoot threes. And three points, they, they stack up really quickly. But the possessions where they don't score stack up quickly too. And the Raptors are just as vulnerable to the runs as they are likely to, you know, enact them on other teams. It's a bit of a shame that they don't have any diversity in their offense. And that's the biggest problem they've had so far this year. The defense is not incredible in this game, but it's significantly better than their offense because their offense is just so dependent on the three-point shot. And do they get good looks sometimes? Yes. But Man, just watching a team brick, 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 brick as a lead is just grown on them. It's tough to see, honestly. 
and Fred, I think, found the right middle during that time of driving to the bucket, which is not a huge part of his game, but I'm glad he got there in this one. Some nice seals from Baines, for example. But And I think, honestly, the, the Fred minutes really helped the Sands-Lowry minutes. When Lowry wasn't on the floor, Fred really helped tonight. And I think that was one of the... The biggest things to be excited about was that Fred was able to lift a bench unit or not even a bench unit, just a Sands Kyle Lowry unit. And that's been really hard for the Raptors to do this year. And the fact that Fred was able to, that's great. And that's super nice to see. But they go up the first half, up five. Third quarter was like punch, counter punch. Pascal was even scoring a bit. He had a beautiful off foot uh, Euro step into a nice layup. They were grinding for buckets, as were the Pelicans. Boucher still providing a pretty aggressive role threat. Kyle Lowry trying to get downhill as often as he can, hoisting from downtown. Obviously, Fred relocating for threes. And OG emerging a little bit more offensively. I thought he had a very nice second half. As I said at the top, his defense on Zion was very impressive. That's a huge ask. For any player, it's a huge ask to say, OG, this guy, can you stop him? Because Zion is immense. So OG, a really, really promising second half. It wasn't a dominant on-ball creator type of offensive input, but he found his spots and he scored and he got to the line a little bit. So nice to see as well. But they're down 87-82 headed into the fourth quarter. And as I said at the top of the podcast, things devolved a little bit. Pascal Siakam had a couple ticky-tack fouls in this game, and that put him in foul trouble, obviously. He needed to be better about being careful about where he puts his hands. Does he deserve all the fouls he was called for? I don't think so. I don't think it was an incredibly well-refed game, although that's not my biggest problem with this game at all. I think the Raptors still have a lot to fix up on both ends of the floor, but Pascal playing very conservative defense. That affects the Raptors in what type of driving lanes they allow, especially since Pascal is kind of a cure-all on their defense. He covers a lot of ground in rotation and catching up, and it's he's very important to the defense, and it's it's obviously, as we can see, very important for him to be able to defend aggressively. The Raptors are moving a lot. The Pelicans definitely showing a talent for getting the ball downhill making the appropriate pass out. They can negotiate the space. Bledsoe, good at attacking closeouts if they come. Obviously, in this game, good at shooting when the closeout was a little bit more conservative. Them's the breaks, I suppose. But ball puts the ball puts the ball on the floor. Ingram puts the ball on the floor. Josh Hart can. Bledsoe can. All those guys are going to make you pay if you're coming out really aggressively. They'll get the defense in rotation. They'll find Steven Adams for like a little dunk or Zion, whoever. It's They're a tough team to defend when you're not under control in closeouts and when they're hitting contested threes, which a few of Bledsoe's this time around. They weren't in the opener, but they were in this one. It's It's tough to see. And Pascal ended up fouling out, as I said at the top, minus 16, 24 minutes. Raptors lose by four. He's an all-NBA player last year. And whether you agree that he was second team or third team or fringe All-NBA, he was at the very least fringe All-NBA. And his current performances have him not even pseudo All-Star. Like, he's just been a starter. 
is I know everybody has this hierarchy in their head of where players belong. I hope me sta- me saying, you know, starter, good starter, if he wasn't being featured as the number one option, he would succeed a lot more. That's what he's been playing like. We've seen him at a much, much higher level. Hopefully he gets back to that. I'm assuming he'll get close to that again. I mean, at least all-star level or pseudo all-star because right now it's been it's been tough. And so he fouls out. They have to play Norm a lot. And the thing is, Norm makes a lot of mistakes defensively. And if he's not absolutely filling the basketball in on the offensive end, things start to get a little bit ugly. And Norm was counted on for the six closing minutes to play defense every possession. For example, at the end when the Raptors are trying to get stops and OG Ananobi plays exceptional defense on Brandon Ingram and Norm thinks he has to come in and reach in, you don't have to do that, pal. OG Ananobi is one of the best one-on-one defenders in the league. By the end of this season, I expect he might lay claim to the very best one-on-one defender in the league. He's that good. You don't have to come and just <laughs> swipe at the ball. You don't have to do it, man. You don't have to help like that. The, the benefit of having an OG Ananobi is if there's no screen, it's just him and another guy straight up, you don't really have to help. You can just allow him to use his incredible strength, quick feet, and great hands to play defense. He's a fantastic defender. Leave it alone. You don't have to come in and just foul guys for the sake of it. And having a guy like Norm, who's going to miss some rotations, who his screen navigation is going to be lackluster at times, and is just going to foul guys for seemingly no reason when OG Ananobi has a great beat on him, and he looks like he's going to have to hit a very, very tough shot, don't do it. And that's that's what Pascal fouling out makes you do, is just there's no flexibility. You're either playing a guy like Stanley Johnson, Terrence Davis, or Norm. That's the position this team was put in, and Norm is going to make some mistakes down the stretch like that. Does he have to? No, but he does, and he wasn't filling it up offensively either. He had a pull-up three late, but it's just that's not going to cure everything. And the Raptors, they lost the game before they lost the game. They gave up a huge run. They were down a bunch, and then they hit three threes in a row and a layup, and it was like, oh, great, it's this team again. They hit all their shots because that's variance, right? And the Raptors, as far as I'm concerned, they're not going to close these games out shooting 100% from the floor. Evidently, that happened. They did not shoot well. They couldn't even get a shot off on one of the possessions. They turned the ball over, and it was like, okay. OG Ananobi got to the free throw line, and he split them, but you can't get the dribble handoff going. OG Ananobi is forced to ISO late in the game, and that's what the Raptors are going with. I love OG. I think he can progress to become a more incredible player than he already is. But it is surprising to see that that's what they were left with in a close game when they're one and three. And it should be important to pick up wins. You just you have to pick up wins at this point. I know there is caveats because the Nuggets are one and four and the NBA season has been insane. And the Raptors are playing in Tampa Bay. Oh, my God, the Raptors are playing in Tampa Bay. What the hell is going on? Right. I totally get all that. But the encore product is not good right now at all. They're a really ugly team to watch play basketball. It has not been fun at all. Then Bledsoe hitting, you know, a very, very contested triple 
that's tough to swallow for anybody. And the Raptors didn't have the offensive punch to climb back in the game. The foul game didn't work down the stretch. The Pelicans hit their free throws, and that was it. 120 to 116, the Raptors lose this one. And that's uh, extremely disappointing. The Reggie Evans Award, I'm giving to Chris Boucher. I thought that his energy was extremely important to what the Raptors were doing. He had a game-high plus-minus for them at plus 11. And if you don't watch a game, plus-minus is meaningless. It can give you an idea of where to look for what's important and who succeeded. But you can't just go off of plus-minus if you don't watch these guys. However, comma, I watched the game. The plus-minus is representative of what Boucher was bringing on both ends of the floor. Rangy on defense, good contests at the rim. Effort plays all night long, all game. He was he was really good. He deserves all the love. And that was really nice to see for him because, as I said at the top, I don't think he's getting the, I guess, appropriate amount of attention for how good he's been because it has been very, very impressive. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to see more of it. So the top quick reaction comment from Niagara underscore dude, quote, for those not want to trade Siakam, you must enjoy losing. He was... Pathetic again tonight. I'm jealous the Pelicans have a real number one option, and we have a role player who Nurse thinks is KD. Siakam apologists should go look at those two post plays in the first half where Siakam passed up going in strong against smaller players to avoid contact. It was pathetic, and I'm sure his teammates will call him on it when they go over the game film. I know Lowry will for sure. You just cannot have that from the leader of your offense. Anyone else believe had Nurse started Boucher at power forward, we most likely would have won. End quote. Okay, so the Pascal stuff, he is better than this. As you say, there are some mental gaffes where he's passing out of what should be easy layups. That stuff is correctable. And that's, I think, a point of optimism, actually. For the people who don't want to trade him, uh, the way you're phrasing that, I assume it's for James Harden. If you can get James Harden, I think you get James Harden. That's my opinion on it. He is an unbelievable overwhelming offensive threat and the Raptors would be lucky to have a James Harden on the team. He is one of the best players of the past 20 years. And that's my opinion. If you disagree, that's okay. But if you can get James Harden, you do so. As we've seen, the Raptors have succeeded trading for a superstar in the past. Not apples to apples, but it's a, it's a high value play. As far as other trades, I don't even know what the market is for Siakam or what any other team is looking for. So no comment on that. Uh, Him being used as KD, I think that he is put out there to ISO too often. And I'm not sure if that's him bucking the offense and just choosing to ISO on that right 45. Who's to say? But I'd like to see him with more screen help, whether it's him denying it or him refusing it or just nurse saying you're going to ISO. I'm not sure, but I'd like to see more of it. As far as Boucher at power forward, I mean, I'm not sure because you have to manage minutes as well. And Pascal Siakam adds a little bit of on-ball viability that Boucher doesn't. The toll would have been even heavier on Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry, who both already played 39 minutes. And Pascal was coming off of a game that he was, you know, did not play coach's decision. And it was punishment for as reportedly walking off the court. That's from Siakam's camp. They said, yes, that's what it was for. Nick Nurse and the organization, when asked about it, say they won't comment, but the overall feeling seems to be that 
something else is going on there. I have no idea. Uh, the Raptors are very tight-lipped. Siakam's, uh, his group, his people obviously would want it to just be him walking off the court if there was more, because if there was more, it's going to make him look bad. And yeah, that's, I think both parties are doing the thing that's best for them currently, because the Raptors don't want to completely turn on their max player, a star, a former star at the very least, and hopefully returning to that level once again. But as far as that goes, yeah, who's to say? Could they have won if Boucher was out power forward? Ah, maybe, you know. The, he, he played great in this game. More minutes, maybe it would have helped. But uh, I couldn't say for sure. But Niagara Dude, thanks for commenting. I can I can feel your anger coming off the screen. But uh, I'm going to try and put the anger away and <laughs> enjoy the rest of my night. I hope you're able to as well. And uh, hopefully we can all congregate in a Raptors win against the Celtics. But who's to say? I have no idea what's going on in the NBA right now. Everything is up for grabs all the time. And bad teams are playing well. Good teams are playing bad. It is topsiest of the turviest. But anyway, I've been Samson Folk. This is the Reaction Podcast, and I'm I'm done. I'm out of here. So are you. But whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.